Welcome, welcome, welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. We have some fun stuff. We have some legal stuff. Meh. Oh, my fave. Uh, we have Indy Lights schedule. We have NASCAR and its impact on IndyCar. We'll get into some of that stuff. But we're, we're going to start with the fun thing first. Uh, because we have our winner from the Friends of New Track Record podcast, uh, Fantasy IndyCar League from this year with us. But first off, hi, Justin. Hello, Caleb. How are we? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, just keeping my eye on the the court wires to make sure there's no more. <laughs> um, we don't have any more lawsuits break here while we're recording the podcast. That's completely fair. Well, let's get away from the court wires and get <sighs> yeah, to the let's... fun stuff. We welcome in our winner of the 2023 IndyCar Fantasy Challenge for the Friends of New Track Record Podcast League. It is Jeremy. Team name, I thought you had the keys. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Caleb. Hey, congratulations, Jerry. Let's clap yes, it up let's, first. Let's for, first off. For a championship, job. it was a points race that was much more exciting down the stretch <laughs> than with the actual IndyCar series. I uh, held off Stux Racing by five points to win the championship. Um, the uh, replica Aster Cup is is on its way. But uh, but Jeremy, take us through uh, your strategy. Did you have a driver that you always picked every week? Is it a team that you favor? How did you uh, get this uh, this championship? Well, I I honestly just took a like a fantasy baseball approach in. I wasn't trying to pick the winner necessarily every week, but trying to get the most points for the budget. So you picked both Foyt drivers every week. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> uh, I picked Santino more than I thought I would. Yeah, I could see uh, that. Yeah. That probably you paid off look quite at the well. Budget. Yeah, that, that's right. So uh, how many years now were you in the league in previous seasons? No, this is the first time first I've time? ever wow. done fantasy wow. racing. Wow. wow. A rookie comes in and just schools everybody. Wow. A real Juan Pablo Montoya. Yeah, very much so. With this. <laughs> real for, Alex for Rossi week. here. <laughs> so you get the win your first year. Did you, you mentioned, you know, working the budget. Did, was there anything that you felt like gave you an advantage over other people? Or are you one of those, like, this is just pure dumb luck? Um, I just paid attention. I, I tried, uh, I tried to catch qualifying and practice as much as I could. So I'd have an idea of who's having a good weekend and who's not having a good weekend. <laughs> you, you probably also didn't forget to pick yeah, like races me. like me, like a couple of times. I, every year it's like I miss one or two. I think this year I missed uh, at least two, maybe even three. I'm sure you didn't miss any races. No, he was actually not, on it. But I set reminders up on my calendar <laughs> on my go. computer so to, to try to avoid that, because when you only have 17 chances here, you, you know, missing one's not good. Have you ever like won? So outside of like racing and, and fantasy racing with, with this league, have you ever won like a fantasy football league or uh, NCAA bracket pool, anything like that? Yeah. Fantasy baseball a few times. Okay. Okay. So you're well-versed in this. And so again, you probably have a good strategy. We're not going to make you reveal <laughs> any of those things for future endeavors uh in in fantasy sports including indycar uh but um what what was kind of the biggest thing you took away from this experience like if you had one tip that you'd be willing to share with people what would your tip be uh i would say you're not picking four drivers every week you can pick up to seven because Mm -hmm. you can pick the podium and a lot of times with the budget you might not have enough to get the guy you think is going to win, but you can still pick him to win first on the podium to get the bonus points. It, I like that advice. My problem is I'd always have him switch just like a place on the pick the podium, so it didn't matter. I didn't get any bonus points. Maybe those yeah. bonus points is what put Jeremy over the top. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. <laughs> well, what's interesting, because I have, I have the last race's stats up ahead of me, but... Uh, up in front of me, in front of, on the screen here. And uh, Stux and I both had Alex Pillow winning, which didn't happen. And we both had Scott McLaughlin finishing second, which did happen. 
and we had different drivers in third, and we didn't get either of those. But I thought I was done on the first lap of the last race because I had picked McLaughlin, Vips, Lungard, and VK. And they were all in the first <laughs> lap accident. That's true. <laughs> and the guy I won, I had gone, changed my lineup like 12 times that morning. And the other guy I kept putting in and out on there was uh, Scott Dixon, who was also involved in the incident on the first turn. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, tell us about your IndyCar fandom, your history, and when you uh, started watching the series, and and all, and tell us how many 500s you've been to, all that good stuff. <laughs> well, I've only been to one 500, but I have been to other races. Uh, I started watching in the 80s when I was a kid. What's so. What's the first race you remember watching on TV, and first race you went to? Uh. Gosh, I remember watching them on the back when it was on the Wide World of Sports. Oh yeah, and probably the one I remember more is Detroit, just because it's just one that I remembered. Then we started. I started watching the Indy Five Hundred. Uh, the first uh, year that up here in Northern Indiana that it wasn't on tape delay was also the year I graduated high school, and our graduation was on the day of the race. (laughs) So that was a bummer. What? (laughs) Came up with that brilliant idea. Yeah, someone who doesn't (laughs) like racing. Was uh, that happened to be a year that it was also like moved schedule wise because of rain delays or they were just shuffling the date or anything like that? No, I don't think so. Okay. So just, just had it on a bad, Sunday yeah, Memorial Day? Pure bad luck. Yeah. Brutal. Just, yeah, just bad luck. <laughs> now, is it is it nepotism, Jeremy? Is your, is your Was your dad into racing? How did this come about? Uh, well, uh, there, there's uh, mechanics in the family. My uncle was actually a big fan of IndyCar, and he went to all the races. But uh, we didn't go to the races, but, uh, you know, it was... It wasn't anything that was discouraged or anything. You said you went to one 500. What 500 did you go to? I, uh, I gotta think it was here. It was, oh, 2015. Oh, okay. Juan Pablo yeah. Montoya. So yes. a, a good year for him. A, exciting finish. Uh, obviously yeah. right before the, the hundredth. Um, what we, is... were cheering, we were cheering on Tony Kanan, and he wrecked right in front of us. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that, that's perfect into like my, my next question. Favorite driver currently, favorite driver you know, of all time, kind of who are some of the, the guys you've, and gals you've rooted for uh, as an IndyCar uh, fan? I don't know. Jeez. To, to pick just one driver. I was a Paul Tracy fan in the past, and then... Uh, uh, I kind of fell out of favor with him. I just, you know, he was doing Paul Tracy type stuff. And uh, <laughs> I was a Sebastian Bourdais fan, and then we had a, I had a time uh, in Denver where they had the, uh, I was there for the race. And I was in the autograph lines, and they had Bourdais and Tracy on opposite ends of the tent. <laughs> Imagine that. And when I went to Bourdais, I had this T-shirt that everyone was signing, and he was struggling. He's like, I cannot sign this. I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get down to Paul Tracy, and, you know, it's my last autograph. I'm like, uh, I got to take my shot. So I said, so, uh, Paul, uh, you seem to be having trouble this morning. You, you kind of hit just about every wall out there. And Paul just gives this deep sigh. Says, "Well, my teammate's doing uh, two pedal braking or two foot braking, and I've been trying that, and it just hasn't been working out real well." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, I think I'm a Paul Tracy fan again." <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you go from that's this is fascinating? You went from a PT fan. To a Bourdais fan, obviously they're like arch nemesis, you know. Right. And, and then back to a PT fan. <laughs> Explain how that all came about. Uh, well, uh, 
Well, everyone, well, Paul Tracy won a lot of races, okay? And he was just exciting. He, he, he never knew when to shut up. I think that, that's always good for TV. And then Bourdais just came in, and he just was winning everything. Uh, I, I still think it's a shame he never got a shot in IndyCar in a real good ride. Uh, but this, what was a split? And then just, again, here I am giving, uh, giving Paul Tracy my best shot, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I've been having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> our winner from our IndyCar Fantasy League, Jeremy, joining us, and you're also from the Fort Wayne area. So how did you uh, learn about the show? I'm pretty sure I saw it on, the, on iTunes. I think back when it was still iTunes. Yeah. And it was recommended, and I started listening, and it's just a really fun show. So what keeps bringing you back? Why why do you listen to to us each week? Well, uh, you're not haters, but you also don't uh, sugarcoat anything either. Because there are some podcasts that are a little more corporate, and they're fine too, but... You just kind of give an honest representation of what you think. I like that. So I have to ask an honest question. Is Tony Kanaan an IndyCar <laughs> legend? I, I think you'd have, you'd have to say he's a legend. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, the phone line's cutting out, Jeremy. <laughs> sorry. Hey, hey. But, but there is something you guys should know, because I'm not sure you quite realize this. In your group of what? How many was there? Forty people in the league, something like that. Yeah, I think it was closer to fifty, uh, right? Yeah, it was 45 like forty-five or so. I think. Okay, it's a so lot. Out of those, overall, you had the eighth place finish and the eleventh place finish. Overall, wow! So, so we have some knowledgeable yeah. listeners. Yes, much we more are knowledgeable a smart than group us. Group of people. Yeah. For a split second, I was I thought he was talking about we, like one of us finished eighth and and, you, and the other finished. I'm like, no, we didn't. We're oh, not no, very no, good. We're, we're not, not very good, good at this. <laughs> no, we can barely talk about the sport, let alone pick it. Pick who's going to win. And for an added bit of humor, perfect timing today in the mail. I got my Firestone hat for hey. coming in eighth place. There you yeah, go. How about that? Well, I sent you a message because we also owe you a sticker. So uh, oh, make okay. sure you, you get back on that. I'll, I'll mail you a sticker for being our, our winner. Also, this is obviously part of your award is to boast on the podcast about how much better you were at IndyCar Fantasy compared to everyone else in our league. Um, what? Uh, so you've been an IndyCar fan for a long time. Yep. You, you, you were a fan before the split, during the split, obviously now after post-split. Um, the sports changed a lot. Like what, where do you kind of feel like things are going? Do you feel optimistic, pessimistic? Kind of, how do you feel about the sport moving forward? Uh, I think they've got a good direction going. I, I think they're, they're to the point where, especially when it comes to tracks there and sanctioning fees, they're willing to do what it takes to get a decent schedule without being held to, uh, held down too much by certain track owners and stuff. But where I have concerns is the things that are going on outside the track. Uh, Like some of their licensing, they need to figure that stuff out. And, you know, especially for the gaming. And I'm still very concerned about race control. Aren't we all? (laughs) Because if if part of their plan is to get more into, like, your DraftKings and those type of betting things, uh, I don't see where having a, uh, a race control where you can't depend on what they're doing is going to be a good thing in the bookmaker's eyes. That's a really, that's a really interesting point, Justin, because, no, like, good, we, we haven't point. really correlated those two things together, but, like, if you want IndyCar odds, you feel like, you know, if you're a sports book, you need to be able to trust the the governing body, if you will, to, to mm-hmm. have some consistency because there's too much unpredictability with things that impact, you know, who wins or finishes on the podium, which those are the type of bets, obviously, you can place. Like, that's pretty important. 
Yeah, you got to be able to to be reputable for for those draft books. They got to make money, and they got to have a trustworthy product as well. But uh, no, it's a great point. But in terms of of what you'd like to see, Jeremy, some people want to see a third OEM. Some people want to see a return to Michigan. Some people want to see uh, bumping back at the 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 five hundred. If there's one thing you could add to the IndyCar series right now, what would it be? I would say good, clean racing. <laughs> Simple answer, but yeah, I mean, with what we saw this year, where anytime we thought something was a penalty and it wasn't, and vice versa, um, yeah, I can't blame you for that take. Jeremy wants good, clean racing, just like Paul Tracy. <laughs> That's what he wants. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, another, uh, on that note, I uh, I remember watching him in Cleveland go through four nose cones and still win the race. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Yeah, Paul, Paul Tracy, who I served as his Uber driver one time. Not, you did? Yeah, not literally. Like, I wasn't driving for Uber, but he was, like, waiting for his Uber after Gateway in, like, 2018. Okay. And I saw him, I just said, like, hey, PT, what's up? And he's like, hey, do you mind giving me a ride? I was like, sure. <laughs> it was the most bizarre experience <laughs> of my life. It was, it was crazy, but uh, he's still nice in guy. the car. I see him out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still he's, in he's there. Still out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so you've been a fan for a long time. Like, is there anything else uh, you want to add as far as like maybe the, the direction or something? Like, is there a particular track you really want to see back on the schedule in the future? Uh, you know, when it comes to tracks, I would just like to like to see a nice balance of oval street and race again. And, you know, road race, I'd like to see a nice balance. So, uh, you know, get, get some more ovals to help balance things out there. Uh, I, I just think that's IndyCar's roots. It would be good to get back to that. So something along the lines, I'm trying to think of the year it was in cart. I want to say it was 2001 where it was like, one of the years, maybe it was 2000, one of the years it was like seven, seven, and seven. Like yeah. a perfect, yeah. perfect number. So somewhere around that, that would be, I, I agree. I know a lot of people want to see like half and half. I'd be more th- thrilled with the, like the seven, seven, and seven, where you're getting you know more than 20 events and things are getting split up that way. I mean, that would yeah. be ideal, ideal in my book. Um, Justin, do you do you have anything else you want to ask? No, I'm I'm all set. I just, when will your study start for the 2024 season, Jeremy? Are you going to start now? Uh, really, really going through the uh, the stats for this year and and preparing f- to defend your championship? Probably not. Because <laughs> 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 you know, next year everything's going to be different. I mean, you're really going to if if you want to do the fantasy and. For any of those who are out there thinking, oh, I should have done it and I didn't do it, you should do it. It's a lot of fun. This isn't something that costs anything. Uh, and it just gives you added enjoyment of the series or added aggravation if all four of you guys <laughs> go out on the same lap. <laughs> that and is I very just, true. I just noticed something here that uh, apparently this hat is signed by Alex Pillow. Wow. Oh, impressive. Wow. So, I wonder if McLaren's going to try to sue me for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's out. great. That's great. All right. Before we let you go, uh, this is your time. If you want to brag, boast, go on your soapbox, rant, whatever, this is your time. Feel free. Go for it. I would like to thank Stux. Stux Racing did a great job this year. It was fun. That last race was just insane, watching the points update during the race. Like I said, I thought I was out that first lap, but uh, the drivers did their job, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. All right, that so, is no our... Rants. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we don't mind that at all. That is our winner of the 2023 Friends of New Track Record podcast, um, Fantasy IndyCar League. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Our 2023 IndyCar Fantasy Challenge winner, Jeremy, a.k.a. I Thought You Had the Keys with us. That was fun. It's always fun to have the winner on. It's it's a lot easier when it's not my brother talking trash, <laughs> which was... Was that last, last year? year or two? No, it was two years ago. Was it two years ago? Two years ago, yeah. 
I think the first year that we did the league. I appreciate everybody who participated and we'll fire it back up pre St. Pete in March. Looking forward to it. Now I wonder, will we have to set lineups for thermal? Like, will there be like a special bonus? Like, how's that going to work? I would say so. I mean, I say it should count. I think so too. I think it will. I mean, they have you pick qualifying for the 500. Why won't they have you pick a race? So I imagine that'll be a thing. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it should count just because it's another data race, point. Yeah. yeah, it's a race. Like, I get this non-points paying for the drivers. It doesn't mean it's non-points paying for IndyCar Fantasy. I would imagine it will be. I hope so. We, we shall see. I mean, they do Fantasy for IndyCar or not any car for <clears throat> excuse me Indy 500 qualifying right so yeah, that's what I, said. Yeah, I would say that would that would that would count for sure definitely all right so that was the fun part now we got to get into like the the boring and yeah. legalese yes so the the other headlines this episode the legalese so we we start with Alex below just when we think all this is over there's more right I mean it's just th- this is like never ending and now McLaren is suing him for $23 million in damages um, for bailing on his contract. And you can go into all the details as far as the different levels, but there's a filing late last week on it, 17 pages long. Um, McLaren obviously upset that he left and didn't show up for his F1 test gig, the $400,000 contract advance, but the 23 bill, I mean, that's a lot of money because you're looking at sponsor obligations, the F1 reserve driver role, the $400,000 advance. I mean, the fact that it, I'm sure it was a multi-year deal, so I'm guessing that's where you're getting $23 million as opposed to, you know, like 10 or 11 Right. It's a lot of money. Now, obviously, they'll go through the court system. The, the interesting part to me in all this is that McLaren is not seeking repayment of legal fees. It says it covered for Pelot in last year's fight with Ganassi. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amazing. It's how nice to see out, they made huh? one concession. <laughs> They're not getting that much money back. No. They'll settle for something. It may just be a tenth of that. Who knows? But Alex Pelot created this mess. He now has to figure it out in the courts, or at least as people do. And I imagine that McLaren will get some restitution here, but it's not going to be $23 million. No, no, I don't think so. Um, but it's $15.5 million in lost revenue under official partner agreements with sponsors. Three and a half million from third parties surrounding his participation in its testing program. So that's some of the money as far as where this comes from. Obviously, I mentioned the $400,000 advance. But here's the thing. He's lucky he has not one, but two $1 million bonuses. And I get it. Some of that money is obviously taxes. Some of that's probably going to a team owner. But at least he has some money out of that. Plus all the, the, the race win bonuses and the fact that he's getting a huge raise in his contract. For 2023 i'd be curious if it is more than what he was getting at at mclaren one would hope you would hope but uh are they going to be garnishing wages next year <laughs> alex polo every two week when two weeks when he gets his paycheck he's gonna have garnished wages going to mclaren i don't know yeah i so that's that's lawsuit number one then we have arbitration which is different from a lawsuit with ramon grosjean um he posted a statement uh, regarding arbitration, saying, I enjoyed working with the IndyCar team at Andretti Autosport and I'm proud of these successes we shared through two seasons. I'm thankful for the many friendships developed at the highest level of American open wheel racing. I had expected to continue racing with the fine people at, of Andretti Autosport in the coming years. I'm disappointed that is not being fulfilled and wish Andretti team members well. I'm pursuing other options to continue my IndyCar career in pursuit of excellence. I've commenced an arbitration proceeding in Indiana against Andretti Autosport seeking to protect my rights. I mentioned his, his representation. So arbitration is an earlier step compared to filing a lawsuit. So, so what's you go, his beef exactly? It, basically, the beef here is that he believes he signed a contract and returned it to them, and then they didn't sign it back, basically. Well, they don't have to. Yeah, I know. So that's his beef. Um, he, he he's His whole thing is, well, you presented me a contract. I signed it. And it's over his contract. So he signed it. He He believed he he, had a ride for 2024. Okay. He believes he signed an extension, which locked him in for 2024 at Andretti. 
and they didn't honor the contract is what he's saying. Yes, that is okay. what is understood that I've seen out there in different stories. But I would imagine there is some sort of small print over the pages and pages of that contract that says that the uh, that the organization presenting the contract can withdraw the contract at any time or something like that. I'm sure Andretti Autosport with all their their legal um, legal teams that are dealing on the F1 side have this covered in terms of that. So I don't see this going anywhere. I don't really either. I don't know what, um, know what he wants. Does he want like a partial payment for his contract he signed? Probably. Like I don't so know. arbitration, it's, it's disputes and it's usually in contracts that are sent to an independent third party, which is often a lawyer. Yeah. And then they, they make a decision. You see it a lot in baseball. When yeah. players reach a certain amount of years in the league, they can go to arbitration and basically the the player says, I'm worth this much, the team offers this much, and then they go to a third party to determine what the real value is. Basically, they, the arbiter finds a resolution. Basically. And if the the two sides don't agree to the resolution there, then you go to yes. that next level and go to a lawsuit. Uh, I only kind of have a vague understanding of this. Because my dad used to handle arbitration, and he was an arbiter for school districts across the state of Indiana. Gotcha. So he, he worked on that for for a while uh, at a time. But so, so long, long story we'll, we'll short, see. Romain Grosjean isn't going back to Andretti. And yeah, Andretti may or may not give him some money to go away. Yeah, I I, I do find what's interesting though is that so he's going with Barnes and Thornburg, which is a, a pretty big, powerful law firm in the state of Indiana. Um. Grosjean using the lawyer Ganassi used with the Segi deal and the the money, which is over $16 million uh, that Ganassi got from that, which is unbelievable Wow! Uh, by Segi. And you remember them. That was the sponsor for Pelot's first win. They are also an extreme E sponsor mm-hmm. and Ganassi was able to get $16.1 million uh, awarded against Segi and its founder, Edward Sylvan. Uh, back uh, in August of this year, according to Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. So there's a very fascinating stuff. So Grosjean, at least, going with that firm and the same lawyer and John Maley in far, as far as that whole thing. But where this stands, I mean, here's my biggest thing. I don't think anyone's faulting Andretti for moving on. Grosjean had ample opportunity. He just uh, didn't deliver, right? We thought he would have won a race, maybe even two, especially with his qualifying form early in the year. Yeah. And it just never came together. And it seemed like the Indy 500 he crashed out of. And after that, it was just a disaster. I don't really think that it was his driving that cost him a seat as much as his attitude. And yeah, pretty I mean, much being pretty hostile right. with the team and crew members. Yeah. Hostile is a good word for it. I, I really think that that is what cost him a 2024 seat. Not exactly his lack of ability on the track. Cause he did show some signs, but there was a, I think part of it was what happened on the track, but how he handled those issues on the track and basically pointed the finger at everybody else, but him. I think that is what ruined his relationship with Andretti. Yeah. And you know, I, I'll be honest. I still think I find myself, uh, I'd be surprised if he has a full-time IndyCar ride next year. I really I really believe that. Yeah, I would too, because I just don't see him as somebody who's going to take a coin ride, for example, just to be in the series. I don't think he needs to, and I think, quite frankly, he feels he's above it, even though he may not be, but I just don't see him doing that. And I, I don't see any quote-unquote prime seats out there that are seeking Romain Grosjean to fill him. Meanwhile, the other headline... Uh, across the week in IndyCar, Hunkos Hollinger and Aero McLaren have formed a strategic alliance. Now, not a technical alliance. There's no technical alliance aspect in this. The technical but, alliance is Penske and Foyt, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So Ed Carpenter is the only team, only Chevy team, without a some partner. sort of alliance or partner. Um, they but could use it. Y- yes, they could, based <laughs> on the results last season. Um with this, I find it fascinating because I think the number one thing is there's sponsor money that could go on one, if not two cars. I read different things from different sources here, but obviously the overflow sponsors will probably go to Callum Eilat, who we know McLaren is high on. 
could potentially go on the, the 78 as well. If it does go on the 78, you'd think that'd go a long way in keeping Canapino with the team because he's, again, waiting on funding, and that's a huge aspect um, due to just economic troubles in Argentina. But we, we know Callum Eilat's back with the team. Canapino is per- perhaps back, but there is no shared technical data here. They could share test days, which helps with costs, but they're not doing session de- debriefs. They're not going over engineering data together. I just find this very curious. McLaren essentially went out and, and, and feels like they went out and bought a junior team. Not just giving them any, any benefits, though, as far as helping the drivers beyond, oh, we'll give you overflow sponsor money, which, again, I get it. That helps budgets and whatnot. Well, I think but, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you can't gloss over it because that's all this sport is about, is about mm-hmm. money. And this is a cash infusion into a Hunko's Hollinger outfit that you could say right now looks like it's struggling to find the budget to run two cars next year. And Augustine Canapino, we, we know the issues there. Another thing Nathan Brown of the Indy Star brings up, uh, it, saying it's reasonable to assume that uh, the Hunko's team with his shop in Speedway could lend space to McLaren, which we know is pressed for space because they outgrew their shop and they're going to eventually move into the old Andretti shop or the current Andretti shop once Andretti moves into their new one in, in Fishers. So that gives them a bit more space. And the Hunko's shop is, I mean, it's not massive, but it has space and they're not running an IMSA program anymore. They were at the time mm-hmm. when I toured it a couple years ago. So there's space there. This whole thing I, I just find fascinating because it's not a technical alliance. It's a strategic alliance, which is different from what we've seen with teams in IndyCar up to this point. Could it develop into a technical alliance? Maybe, but we're here with a quote-unquote strategic alliance, which it helps Suncos because they need the money. And we know that McLaren is, they've talked about it, basically tapped out on space on the cars for sponsors. And that's why they were interested in adding another car, another full-time car. And I think this all but guarantees Callum Eilat is with McLaren in 2025. Provided he he uh, <laughs> performs next year. Well, and provided he doesn't go back on the contract and we have a whole <laughs> controversy in the summer of 2024, right? I, I mean, that's, there's the, some that's ad- the obvious thing to bring up. I imagine there's some added clauses to those McLaren contracts going forward to make sure something like that can't happen again. So that's a look at the, the top stories for this week. If uh, you agree or disagree with us, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up to the for the email list. It is free. You'll never miss episode announcements or anything else. And uh, you can also purchase stickers and t-shirts on the store page on there. You can also reach us on social media. Just search for New Track Record on Facebook, on Twitter, slash X, and Instagram. It is IndyCar Podcast. They handle our email address, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on there. You can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash new track record. Thanks to Xavier, Rob, and several others for their support every month. Again, as little as $1 a month if you want to be a supporter of the podcast. And as always, you can download us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Overcast, CastBox, wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, all for free. Mailbag time, and boy, do we have a lot to get to this week, which is surprising. But we have a lot to dive into. So let's go. Let's get into it. Uh, entries on the mailbag. So first one from Vicky Lynn 26 from last week's episode about Texas. I don't think one year will make a big difference. You guys kept saying the same thing about Toronto and they couldn't go because of COVID. And it's as good as ever, if not better. That That is true. I think the one concern is it's not just a one year hiatus. I think that's what you'd be worried about. Uh, she goes on to say, I'm with Justin, though. Prefer to watch Texas on delay. Too nerve-wracking. Lies. Seriously. <laughs> I can't handle it. I I don't know. Maybe I just... Is there something wrong with me that I enjoy text and look forward to it? It's the no, spectacle. You would be the one dragging me if we lived in ancient Rome, dragging me <laughs> to the Colosseum. Here we are saying, talking about Rome every week. <laughs> the uh, social media meme, if, if you don't know what we're talking about. It's funny. It actually came up for me the other day at dinner with my wife and she's like wow you're talking about rome I about like, men always talk about oh, no rome. because i like we made a pasta and we just kind of mm-hmm. threw stuff together and i did the the thumb out with the thumb in, in the middle not up or <laughs> down yes or no yeah and and i was and she just kind of stared at me and they're like no like you got to do thumbs up or thumbs down she's like uh and then she like went up and i'm like 
okay, have you, and then I talked about Gladiator, yes, of course. And, you know, how in, in the Coliseum they would they would yeah. make a decision if the, the, the Gladiator would live, live or die, or die. Mm-hmm. so I told her about that, and then so she you, said, there you go, talking about the Roman Empire, <laughs> and I felt uh, attacked. The, uh, the heyday of manliness. Plus, it's that <laughs> toga that you wear around the house, too, that gets you started about ancient Rome. But yeah. No, I w- uh, trust me, I would be front row at the Coliseum back in the day, too. But uh, it, is the, it is the Texas Motor Speedway of ancient Rome, and uh, Texas does s- scare the crap out of me. I thought Bristol was the last great Coliseum. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> now, when, what year was it where New Garden had the crash and went uh, uh, yeah, first 20, into the wall? Uh, oh. 2015 it happened right in front of me i'm not even kidding really? I could, you were there i could yeah i really? could find a picture on my phone of his car with connor daly it was wild i want to say that was 2015 that was the last year i watched that race live because <laughs> i was like he's dead yeah we we thought that and that i don't like that feel i've i've went but i've that's happened before watching vegas i have that oh crap he's dead and I don't like that feeling. So I watch Texas on delay. I admittedly started watching Pocono. I was going to say delay. Pocono is, is next with obviously what has happened over the years. And it's been more there. bad luck there than anything. But Texas, nah, I, I, I have to watch on delay. Understandable. Uh, stealth 1014. The whole premise that places don't want any cars BS. It's promoters don't want to do any work. Any car needs to realize it is their responsibility to promote the sport, not the track. Every successful sporting association handles promotion themselves, not the venue. But I would say the NFL teams yeah, promote yeah, themselves, they, you know? They're, uh, no, <laughs> now, in I motor underst- sport, it's different. I understand what they're saying, but that's not the model for success in major auto racing. So promotions, like Formula One's not promoting every single one of their races, right? They're, they're going to these venues that are promoting Yeah, they, they get a huge check yeah. from the track or the government. Right, or, or the government that's you know, paying for it. It's paying for it. NASCAR, effectively, you know, you look at the tracks, so oh, they're paying themselves, blah, 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 because they're all my NASCAR. I get it. But at the same time, they're not promoting every single race. Quite frankly, IndyCar doesn't have the budget to be doing that, nor the personnel, nor the wherewithal to even do that. Uh, meanwhile, uh, with the announcement that uh, Iowa Speedway is going to be on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Well, that was June fun, 2024. Yeah, June, what, 15th and 16th, the race on Father's Day. Hunters Away 67, our buddy Steve. Our friends from NASCAR are at it again. First gateway, now Iowa. Milwaukee will be next, mark my words. Well, they already had a truck race, so, I mean, who knows? Um, this reinforces the fact that NASCAR owes IndyCar nothing. If you're out there thinking that they're going to work together with this goodwill, is NASCAR is always going to do what's best for NASCAR. And this is just a reminder. This has surprised me um, none when this came out. But I, I'm hoping there's a silver lining here, Caleb. If the Iowa Speedway, which was for all of intents and purposes closed before IndyCar came in, and rescued it. If Iowa Speedway now can become self-sufficient again, hopefully that means that IndyCar doesn't have to do as much of the heavy lifting for Iowa. And it also hopefully. puts the Speedway in a position to where it makes sense to continue to have IndyCar because it's getting a big fat check from NASCAR. Yes, and hopefully that ticket prices for NASCAR are so much more expensive that fans find value in IndyCar. The problem is, so Iowa tickets already went on sale and And the reason why they went on sale is because the NASCAR cup race was going to be announced soon. So that's why. And they dropped pricing on about like six different sections of the Iowa race, which is good because I think that was one of the complaints last year and in year two is the cost of the, the tickets going up significantly. I finally found the picture in my phone and I believe it's um, I can't tell if it's actually Connor Daly's car or Joseph Newgarden's car. It's like a green car. I can't remember, but it was 2016, not 2015. Okay. But uh, I mean, makes great, makes great uh, podcasting. Packing them in the seats here. Yeah. Well, so that was the one that was like, they had the race and then remember it got moved two different times. That's Connor Daly's car. That's Connor Daly's car. Okay. But that's the crash. Yes, but, right in front of but Joseph Newgarden's car, 
It was basically just the cockpit left. I don't think I could see it from my seat. It went skidding across the track and just Mm -hmm. slammed into the wall. And I'm like, he's dead. It was pretty bad. And I don't watch. I don't watch it live because of that. And I think so. Wickens came before Wilson. Wilson Wilson, then Wickens. Yes. Wilson, then Wickens is that was a race that forever, for whatever reason, at Pocono that I taped and didn't watch it. And the Justin Wilson race, and I've never watched it. I never went back and watched it. I don't blame you. Uh, I remember I was texting with one of my buddies, and you know, I for some reason I I think I was like I think I was like in at work that evening recording something for like the morning. Yeah, and he was texting me like, "Dude, I'm pretty sure like we lost Justin Wilson." And I'm like, "No, come on, no." Yeah. Like yeah, he's yeah. like, "No, I'm pretty sure." And then like I think it came out not long after. Yeah. That. Uh, I know I watched the um, Dan Weldon. That one I didn't watch. I had my phone up. I was also working different job. Yeah. But I was working and this was back before, you know, I even had an iPhone and it was, I just had like timing and scoring like web page up on my phone and it like stopped Stopped. updating at lap six or seven, whatever it was. I'm like, that's weird. And then like, I just get a flood of texts from people. Uh, I think I sent my boss at the time as a newspaper that I think Dan Well, I think Dan Weldon just died in that wreck. It was a couple seconds after it happened. But watching that, I think I watched the entirety of that race standing up because it was just, and it was only six, seven, whatever laps. It was stupid. It was so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. What were um, we talking about? Yeah. Back to the mailbag. We got way off track there, but that's okay. Um, so more thoughts on, on Roman Grosjean and his arbitration. Bauer Racing said even Ray Hall wouldn't do this. Uh, Poet Shevchenko said, with all this drama, it'll be St. Pete practice one before you know it. Run underscore Mark underscore run. Uh, a gif of lawyers and, and it's Superman, but dressed up with his you know shirt and tie. And then the Superman logo in the caption just says lawyers, which yes, <laughs> they enjoy <laughs> these kind of opportunities. For sure. Um, other notes, uh, people talking about Grosjean at, at a lot. Of, I, I posted this. It's crazy that Roman Grosjean went from one of the most popular drivers in IndyCar in 2021 to a guy people had had enough of just two years later. Got a lot of replies here. Mom 2X over 2002 said, did he finish the race this season without damaging his car or someone else or yelling at the crew? Can't blame a team for dropping him if he caused more drama and money than necessary. Daguerre said never understood why he was popular in IndyCar to start with. He certainly wasn't one of the most liked drivers in F1. Quick over one lap, but crashes a lot. The exact opposite of Erickson, who now ironically replaces him at Andretti. Stell 1014 said, I liked him more this past year. More people would like him if he won a race. That is true. And Uh I think we both thought he was going to win a race this year. Christos said that drive to survive residue wore off. All that's left is a man, his performance and his attitude. It's fair. Elena Cat 99, I think the F1 crowd thought he was going to walk into IndyCar and dominate because he came from F1. They made excuses for his rookie year, then slowly dropped him after that. And BK Hickey said, we all make choices. He made some, and then IndyCar fans made theirs. Perfect statement to wrap wrap up that conversation for sure. I do think it was, he was a favorite because it was a good story coming out of Abu Dhabi. Yes. Right? And, I and mean, that's, that's the thing that's you have what to people throw in there towards. too, right? It's a huge deal what he went through. I mean... He should be dead. And and he said that multiple times. And it was a good story to see him come back and go to IndyCar out of Formula One and this, that, and the other. But eventually, and I agree with the texter, that, that, that wore off. That storyline wore off. And unfortunately, the issues on track, off track, with his team, with other drivers, with other teams, that started to dominate the the narrative. And that's pretty much what cost... Romain Grosjean his ride. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the mailbag, uh, Vicky Lynn 26 saying he had his moments where he was exciting to watch drive, but his attitude sucks. Winning a race wouldn't have fixed that in my opinion. Uh, so a lot of people with thoughts, obviously on, on Grosjean. And again, I can't blame him. He, uh, he though, he was a guy that if he could win races, could have won races in Andretti would have been the perfect villain in IndyCar. But unfortunately, he couldn't win races or hasn't been able to up till now. But we talk so much about the blandness of the drivers and how everybody gets along. And here's a guy that rubbed people the wrong way 
even rubbed his team the wrong way, which in the end cost him his ride. But if he was winning races, he would have been the perfect guy to have in the series. This is a guy that people love to hate. He's mouthy. He's arrogant. But by gosh, he produces on the track. That would have been a perfect Kyle Busch-esque villain for IndyCar. But for him, he couldn't win races. And that's what cost him. But I think these issues of people didn't like it because this, that, and the other. If he's winning races, he becomes the villain that's also winning races. But he couldn't do it. So that wraps up the mailbag for this week. News and notes time. And we actually have a lot to get to in that category as well. So let's let's start with, I think, the, the big story that kind of transcends IndyCar. And that's the fact that Michael Andretti and Andretti Global and their deal has been approved for F1 expansion. Uh, by the FIA, obviously, they have to still go through FOM, a- aka the teams. But uh, a lot of interesting kind of takeaways from this. Chris Medlin at a story racer dot com also in the racer mailbag, and he basically put it at a fifty fifty shot as far as the possibility of this could happen. And something that I found interesting is the teams have to basically have a strong reason to turn them down. And I can't remember where I read it, but the teams actually don't have a vote. They can make a recommendation to FOM, but the teams don't actually vote on it. Like literally. It may have been in the mailbag with Chris Medlin explaining mm-hmm. what was going on. Cause that's where I read the 50 50, which is higher yep. than I thought it would be. Same. So, and, and it basically sounded like, them not making as much money wasn't going to be a viable enough reason to say no. They had to word it in a way that was not as much monetary as much as it was not raising the profile of Formula One as much as they would have to be cute in how they word it, I guess, even though it would come down to money. But we'll see if they can convince the right people. Lance Stroll came out today. Um, you mean Lawrence, Lawrence Lawrence, I'm Lawrence sorry. Stroll. His father is against it. Shocker. Big shot. But Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are for it. So I, I think if you left it to the drivers, yeah, sure. More more competition. They're fine with it, but they're not in charge of the money at their teams. And that's what the teams don't want to break in terms of the money. I don't buy into the fact that if Andretti is in Formula One, all of a sudden the the sport is going to be taken to another level in the United States. I don't know if it has much of an incremental impact at all. Not with uh, you know the impact they've already had since 2020, Correct. but I do think because of an American team with an American driver on a team name that people recognize, yes, Haas is technically an American team, but they've never really embraced that aspect at all. Right. And I think that's hurt them, to be honest. I think if they embrace that, maybe they'd go a little bit further, but having an American driver, which would be a guarantee with Andretti Global, an American team that would be based in America... Uh, I think those are, are huge aspects. Where I read that the team the, the teams have no vote on expansion. That is from Jenna Fryer of the AP uh, talking about this. So I didn't realize that. Obviously, FOM and, and Stefano Domenicali, the, the F1 president, they have the ultimate say, but the teams, you know, they can give their recommendations, but they're not literally voting, you know, yes right. or no. It's not like a six to Which four decision. Interesting or because that's how it's been presented right. this whole time. Yeah. So... I, I I don't know, but but hearing that there's a fifty fifty shot is like you said, a lot better than we ever could have guessed. Have they given a timeline on when this decision no, will be made? I have not seen a timeline anywhere. That's we'll the other aspect. Uh, speaking of F one, real quick, they're Apple apparently interested. They could offer up to two billion dollars a year for rights for Formula One races. We'll, we'll see what becomes Oof. of that. Yeah, quite a bit of money there. Uh, back. In IndyCar, uh, speaking of a, a, a team that's in F1, but also in IndyCar, Aero McLaren made some changes. Gavin Ward is now the team principal of Aero McLaren, and Tony Kanon is the sporting director of Aero McLaren. So congrats to both of them on those roles. As far as uh, teams, uh, Meyer Shank Racing, they're pausing their IMSA program, focusing on IndyCar in 2024. They intend to be back in 2025. Minor understanding is the Acura program is going to the the other factory accurate program that is is going to the second Wayne Taylor Racing that's partnered with Andretti they're going to have a second entry next year so it's going there but again they plan to be back in 2025 
Is this all related to the cheating right? controversy? I didn't think about this at the time, but uh, one of my buddies in an IndyCar group chat brought that up right away, and I thought that's an excellent point. Yeah, I don't know about n- enough about IMSA to know if that is I don't the either. case or not. But-, but you'd have to think that Honda, a.k.a. Acura, not thrilled about that happening. I mean, that was a pretty, pretty bad, bad look for the team, and obviously it looks bad on the manufacturer. It definitely didn't help the situation, no. that's for sure. No, that it did not. Uh, meanwhile, as far as IndyCar driver news, so what does the strategic partnership mean for Hunkos? Obviously, Kalamila is back. Meanwhile, uh, Augustine Canapino, we talked about this. Funding not yet in place. Driver change is possible in one of the two entries. That from Marshall Pruitt of Racer.com. Meanwhile, mm. for other drivers, uh, Indy Lights driver looking to move up. Now, we outside of Kiffin Simpson, no one's moved up, but Hunter, Hunter McElroy, no plans to return to the series. He finished runner-up. He's looking at IndyCar and IMSA opportunities. Basically admits, yeah, full-time options, probably not happening for IndyCar, but looking at putting something together, kind of like, and he likened to Linus Lundquist, you know, running a handful of races, showing himself well, and then getting a full-time ride the following year. That was kind of his his whole plan with that. I could see him maybe being a late season replacement for an underperforming driver mm-hmm. in 2024 and trying to make the most of it like Linus Lundquist did. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Meanwhile, in Indy Lights, Christian Bogle rejoining HMD Motorsports for next season. Uh, so we already have a, a driver announcement there. And let's talk about it. Their schedule's out for 2024. St. Pete, Barber, two races on the IMS road course. Detroit, Road America, two races at Laguna Seca. Mid-Ohio, one race at Iowa, a race at Gateway, Portland, one race at Milwaukee, and Nashville to wrap up the season. So pretty full schedule, 12 events, 14 races, three ovals. Three ovals. That's the yeah. one I like. I'd like Short you know, ovals work for that series. Short ovals are just fine. I would still like them to race at, uh, what are they calling it now? IRP? Lucas yeah, Oil Raceway? Yeah. I, I think that, I don't know why they don't race there. But, the other um, series race there is yeah. it just the track is too small. I, I, I don't they've know. They've raced there in the past, though, and they also they? are racing at Iowa. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, but three is good, and uh, I would like them to to race at IRP. I don't I don't know why they don't. Maybe somebody can help us out. I don't uh, understand why they don't. Meanwhile, some personnel moves. Eric Cowden, who's won the Indy Five Hundred, spent this past season working with Marcus Armstrong, has left Chip Ganassi Racing. So that is interesting. Hmm. Um. He won with Tony Kanaan at KVSH Racing in 2013, worked with Tony Kanaan previously, um, but then he worked with Jimmy Johnson and again Kanaan back in 2021. 2023, worked with Marcus Armstrong. Um, said to be headed to Ed Carpenter Racing. Fascinating. So that'd be a big get for that team, uh, according to Marshall Pruitt. So I mean, They're throwing some big keep, money out yeah, there. Yeah, something to keep an eye on for that. Um, speaking of a Chevy team and a Chevy driver, Kyle Larson. So IMS will have their rookie orientation program on the Oval next week, uh, October 11th through 13th. Uh, Wednesday is the opening day. It'll be for Kyle Larson, Marcus Armstrong, Linus Lundquist, and Tom Blomquist will be on the Oval next week on Wednesday. And then the last two days reserved for tests for the hybrid engine units uh, with Chevy and Honda uh, with their chosen team. So, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So looking at the weather guesstimating here, Mm -hmm. looking at it mid sixties on Wednesday and dry calling for close to 70 on Thursday and a couple showers. And then Friday, barely 60 degrees with a lot of rain. So not looking good, but again, looking great a week out. True. Yeah. You never know, but I would say at least looking at the weather right now, Wednesday would be the best day. Mid sixties, so hopefully we get some some running at the speedway. Yes, hopefully that that does happen. And for Larson, I mean, obviously his first real test in an Indy car, so very big deal uh, with that. And and hopefully we we have this happen. Nathan Brown had said additional notes uh, for this um, three days, as I mentioned. Um, unknown if Kiffin Simpson would be able to participate or not. Kyle Larson eyeing October 12th as his test date. Uh, obviously, that's weather dependent. Uh, and then, obviously, the the 
testing time for the the hybrid engine units, which Joseph Newgarden uh, had some comments on those hybrid engine units. I've heard some rumors that things could be a little iffy. Now, they remain optimistic, Pelo and Newgarden, but Newgarden said still a lot to be worked through, which, mm. again, they're doing an off-season testing program. That's why they do this. But I, I've heard that potentially the hybrid could be delayed. Not oh. sure there's any truth to that rumor still. But that was a couple months back. But hopefully it is ready in time for St. Pete. Only five months March away. 10th, Better get everything figured out. Exactly. Elsewhere on News and Notes, Alex Pillow had a test cameo for his own Euro Cup 3 team. It's kind of funny seeing him in a, a, a smaller car. We had Joseph Newgarden as the 12th Titan. How about that? You got a sword. Take the sword, put the sword in the rock. Get fans fired up before the game last week against, who'd they blow out? Was it the Browns? Or the Bengals? Uh, it was the, the Bengals. The, was it the Browns? I think I thought it was the Browns. I don't. I don't remember, but they won, and they won handily. It's all Joseph Newgarden. Bit of a surprise, yes. Just Newgarden leading leading the charge for them. Continuing on with our news and notes aspect, so a couple more details on Iowa that I found fascinating. So Xfinity and Cup, the Cup race, June sixteenth will be a night race, and the entitlement partner. This is from Bob Pockris. Iowa Corn Promotion Board and Iowa Corn Growers Association. <laughs> oh, Just stick man. the knife in and pull it right out. <laughs> Put it in there. Now, we'll have to watch the broadcast because you know they'll have to do an interview with somebody involved in Iowa coin, corn yes. and how important it is and blah, blah, blah. And well, you could do it with ethanol with, with IndyCar. I don't know if you could do it with cup about the gasoline, all that stuff. But... uh I, I, look, I don't. Bl- this is the thing. People people get frustrated, but Iowa and, and Iowa corn grow. I, I don't blame them because NASCAR is a bigger deal. That's what's, just the way it is. What's fascinating is it's a Saturday Sunday weekend, Xfinity Saturday, uh, and then Cup Sunday. But it's a night race for Cup, six p.m. Central night? Time, which would be seven Eastern, and it'd be. Uh, both races are going to be on USA. So I just find that fascinating. They're running a Sunday night race. In mid-June? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Just, just odd. Uh, meanwhile, Texas is hosting NASCAR on April 14th, as expected, just for the update for you there. Uh, another NASCAR note relates to IndyCar Motorsport Games. Uh, iRacing has acquired NASCAR's console video game license. Of course they did. From Motorsport Games, they intend to put out a new NASCAR console video game in 2025. Which is what we hope eventually happens with IndyCar, that they're get out of that debacle with motorsport games and are able to go to iRacing. So hopefully IndyCar is not very far behind NASCAR. I'm sure iRacing prioritized NASCAR to get that done deal done first, but the IndyCar game isn't going anywhere with motorsport games. The sooner it can get with iRacing, the better. A few notes from the racer.com mailbag. Pruitt saying between three and 4,000 tickets made available for purchase for thermal. Obviously we had mentioned before IndyCar nation fan club members may get first access for that, not really a, a big surprise there. Uh, t- to me, I'm, I'm fine with that. It makes sense. I don't really have any issues. I get it. A lot of people are upset, but I, I think this is okay with me for what they're looking to do. Another note in the mailbag, um, Marshall is saying it'd be interesting to see what the 2025 calendar looks like and whether Milwaukee drops to a single round. I think it's just a one-year thing for Milwaukee. I do, too. And then as far as uh, Cusick Motorsports and their entry, so for them to participate in Thermal, Don Cusick uh, told Marshall that he'd need to commit to a full-time entry to take part in the $1 million challenge. So they're going to have to find a way. And and Marshall added, if Dry and Reinbold Racing called it, wanted to continue, I'm sure a deal would get done by the end of the week. But he hasn't heard anything about that happening so far. Also, that's lame, by the the way. The teams, the two teams... Info was off the record on that, according to Marshall. So that's why that's not been released. I think that's pretty, like, if you want to participate in that race and have a chance to win a million dollars, you should be able to, whether you're a full-time team or not. I agree. That's how I feel. The more, the merrier. Yeah, right? Um, let's not restrict people from, from entering. If people want to yeah. spend the money, God forbid Don Cusick wants to enter a car in a race, why are you telling him he can't? I Silly. I agree. Uh, also, he had this interesting note. I don't know if you, you caught this about kind of the, the vibe around the series. What he had to say. Someone uh, was asking about 
uh, with the car and the questionable TV schedule. And, you know, is there any discussion? Someone asking if doing things a bit differently. Uh, Marshall said, yes, I do hear important folks in the paddock express significant desires for changes. Most fear the repercussions of speaking out in public because the series owners attack and combat such things on a daily basis. I wish it weren't this way, but it is, and it didn't exist to this degree prior to Pinsky's purchase of the series in 2020. I think you're seeing very much a corporate attitude with Penske, and that's how he's become a billionaire, but it also doesn't make him too many uh, endearing people within the organization of IndyCar. I think they're all thankful for Roger Penske and his team and what they've done, but I also think they're not open to ideas or suggestions. They feel like uh, coming in, I, I get the vibe that they're like, hey, you had your chance to run this thing and you couldn't, and now we're coming in and rescuing you, and we don't care what you say. It's kind of what very I very much a corporate bottom line very environment, much so. and that's nothing where matters are but at. the bottom line. And IndyCar has become that, and to and a it's certain reflected extent, reflected that way. Yeah, do I blame them? No, you got to make money or try to make money. I get it, or you got to at least try to balance the books to make this thing financially viable going forward. I get it, but at the same time, it just doesn't work in a series that's starving for some sort of innovation and doesn't have any and anybody that has any ideas to try to build bring that to the series are shuttered pretty quick meanwhile a couple other quick items uh scott mclaughlin participating with tower motorsports for the imsa season finale at road atlanta which i believe is this weekend is that correct i think so and uh, rumors of a repave at Mid-Ohio have been confirmed per Craig Russ, the track president. This from Stephen underscore Conley on Twitter. We're going to move forward with the repave. It's one of the reasons we were able to get Moto America for 2024. We hope to have NASCAR back in the future. Obviously, IndyCar is not going anywhere with that track. So don't, don't freak out by that comment. But that's yeah. good news for that track. It, it's one of many improvements that I feel like is needed at this time. One of many. Meanwhile, tweets of the week time, and we have this from Nathan Brown. It was time for a profile refresh, and his little bio <laughs> says IndyCar court reporter for IndyStar Sports, which I thought was hilarious. Meanwhile, Jeremy, who we just had on early in the show, had a quite funny tweet uh, talking about the McLaren, and I tweeted, so McLaren now is a junior team in IndyCar, and, and Jeremy said, and Argentine fans have more drivers to yell at. <laughs> <laughs> they do. All right. All right, what do we got? Random, Random split error driver. Split driver I think it's time. up on your computer it over is. there. Who do we got? Uh, this is what I actually recognize. Andrea Montermini, Italian racing driver, uh, uh, raced in F1 for a couple of years, uh, 94 through 96 with Simtech, Pacific, and 40. 29 entries, 19 starts, no stats of note. Uh, during that time, his best finish was a 7th. Um. Oh, that was in cart. My bad. So his his F one results really didn't have. So he was with the. I recognize it because he was with the Ford team. It wasn't Simtech had MTV? Yeah, he was with MTV yep. Ford Simtech for one one of the seasons. A DNQ. Um. So not a whole lot of results there. Um. Meanwhile, in IndyCar, his best finish was a seventh at Toronto. He also had a nine at Laguna Seca. Uh, both those coming in 1994. So he's with several teams in '94. He was at Peyton Coin Racing, had a did not start at Surfers. Then he was with King Racing, two races, Cleveland, Toronto, and then Project Indy, where he just did that Laguna Seca. But two top tens there. He did make uh, four starts with Euro Motorsport in 93, and then was off for a few years because he went to F1, 94, 95, 96, and then randomly came back in 99 with Dan Gurney's All-American Racers, ran Vancouver, Laguna Seca, Houston, and Surfers. Um, and scored a couple points, best finish of 11th at Vancouver. He was all over. I mean, five year, well, five different teams he was with, Euro Motorsport, Peyton Coin Racing, King Racing, Project Indy, All-American Racers, over the course of three seasons. Um, high, high finish was at Toronto with King Racing in 94, and then those four in the split era with All-American Racers. But yeah, this guy got around for... Uh, three years in cart. So it's it's just kind of weird. So uh, the the MasterCard for 97, he signed with the MasterCard Lola team, which 
I kind of remember those cars. That folded after one race, no points in his Formula One career. Mentioned his champ car results. He also did the 2001 24 Hours of Daytona. Also did a couple of 24 Hours of Le Mans in 98 and 99 uh, with Nissan entries both those years. Sixth uh, overall in 98, sixth overall in 99. That's Mm. about it. Did some uh, racing, too, with the illustrious Yarick Giannis, too. I think a former yeah, random in 2006, uh, he raced with him. And then in 2007, he won the International GT Opens GTA class, driving a Ferrari 430 uh, alongside a champion whose name I can't even come close to pronouncing, <laughs> so I'm not going to try. Their overall champions following season won a second overall championship title in 2013. So there, there are a couple other entries here. But yeah, again, another guy. Never heard of. Handful of races. They just keep on giving. From Italy, uh, Sassuolo, Italy, still with us, 59 years old, Mr. Andrea Montermini. This week's random split era driver of the week. All right, and with that, anything that we missed that came in during the show? I do not think so. I think you did a bang-up job covering everything. Well, that, that covers it for this week. Thanks for joining us. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. We'll be back next week as the offseason rolls along in IndyCar with the latest news storylines. I'm sure we eventually we're going to have a slow week, right? We have not had that oh, I'm yet. I'm sure. We'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be uh, grumbling in January, I'm sure, with nothing to talk about. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with another episode next week of New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.